I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, I'm a, a real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. Happy Monday! Can you believe we are here on a Monday? Yeah, starting your week right. We are doing a little special bonus episode for you to talk all about the new Star Trek series, Picard. I'll tell you what, not everybody agrees with us, but we are ridiculously excited about the show. And in our opinion, it's amazing. So we've got to get into it, get excited and get spoilery. Ready to dive in? No, you are out of your mind. Let's rock it. Captain Influence. Hey there, Tuvri and Brian. How you doing? Sounds like we're going to talk about a new Star Trek show tonight. That's right. Patrick Stewart. Mm. <laughs> He's a sexy young man. Oh, we're going to creep too many people out doing that, Brian. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Double Herbert right 70, to start no, off your week. Oh, that's not a good idea. 79 years old is Mr. Patrick Stewart uh, getting ready to wow. celebrate his 80th birthday this year. And he's still going oh. strong. He's so spry. He really is, man. He, yeah. You know, he's starting to finally look and sound a little older in the face and in oh, the yeah. voice. But, man, you see him walk and you're going, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's a young man. He walks, he walks erect and, and uh, steady and, you know, doesn't need a cane or anything like that, or at least not in the show. There are not a lot of people that would ever say that he walks erect. I just want to say this right now. You might say he walks... <laughs> he has a very erect bearing. <laughs> His posture is very erect. I, I probably should say that in the Herbert voice. Uh, uh, but no, I won't. No, I won't. We'll, we'll talk in this voice. I'm not the perfect Picard imitator, but I like talking like this as much as I can. Number one. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Well... Dude. I'm excited. I really am. Yeah. Let me uh, so, let me take you on a little bit of a of a journey here. Take take you back right. a few years. All right, it's story time. Just get just just join me. Get the popcorn. Hang on. I started watching Star Trek: The Next Generation as a uh, youngster. Yeah, and I think too. I started it in the season three or season four era. Uh, I wasn't really old enough when you know the first season came out. Went back and you know watched some reruns and ended up catching up. Of course, ended up seeing every episode of The Next Generation. And of course, I think I saw seasons one through five, at least probably, you know, a dozen times each huge, huge, hardcore Star Trek, the next generation fan. That was my show. And in many ways, that show got me through, you know, middle school and high school. You know, Star Trek was still very much a part of my life. Huge sci-fi fan. Then, of course, the movies came out and uh, Generations was like the extended Star Trek episode that had a little bit more of a budget. And then First Contact came out and it was like, oh, now this is a movie. When Star Trek Nemesis came out, I mean, I can't tell you how sad we were as Star Trek The Next Generation fans. Let's see. Nemesis was 2002. So it was actually after. Yeah. Voyager just finished. Deep Space Nine had finished in 99. They were in the process of running Star Trek Enterprise at the time. But we knew that Star Trek was coming to an end. Well, then 2009 hit and J.J. Abrams comes and does the whole reboot thing. And then, of course, you know, Star Trek Discovery or as some fans like to call it STD. Uh, (laughs) And why not? Right. 
And so here we are 2020 watching Picard. And I got to tell you, man, uh, our friend Chris pointed it out the best way is like it felt like going home. And I know we mentioned that on Friday, but I wanted to say that again, because, you know, for those of us who grew up with Star Trek The Next Generation, that was like a family. It was a show. It impacted many of us. I mean, half of the technology we have today was inspired by Star Trek. Some of the Star Trek The Next Generation technology, your iPhone. Hello. I mean, it's amazing. So it does feel like going home in some ways. It's really cool. But we're going to get into a lovely review of this. And before we do that, I'm shocked. I'm not going to lie. I am shocked that there are so many articles out there, reviews and stuff, saying that hardcore fans hate Star Trek Picard, passionately Mm. hate it. I'm a hardcore fan. I love it. And I said this on Friday. I'm going to say it again. I think people just want something to hate. They want to be critical. They want to be angry. Obviously, it's very subjective. Everyone has a right to their opinion. If they don't like it, I just feel bad for them because I didn't think I'd like it. Honestly, I I watched it because we were going to review it and because it's Picard. I've always liked that character and I liked TNG. I wasn't the super nerd about it like you, but but I did. I mean, I, I was there. I remember the night that I watched the very first premiere episode of season one and we loved it. I was not expecting much out of this and I was blown away. I was so happy with the first episode. Now, who knows where they're going to go with this, but it looks pretty promising based on little teaser they did at the end. I'm very thankful that I really enjoyed it and that you did. It's unfortunate that so many people didn't. Like we've talked about with The Mandalorian, some people thought it was the greatest show on earth and, and, you know, we thought it was okay. We thought there were great episodes and, you know, average episodes. And honestly, the more I talk to people, the more I'm hearing from the the non-fanboys and the non-haters. I'm going to call these these super critics haters and trolls. Okay. The haters and the Fair trolls enough. found everything wrong with The Mandalorian. And the fanboys, nothing could be wrong with The Mandalorian. And then the rest <laughs> of the people that I talked with, which are just your average person, like, hey, you know, yeah, I, I checked it out. I, they all say the same thing we did. There were some filler episodes that just didn't belong there. And there were some good episodes. Overall, it was, yeah. it was a decent show, but it wasn't amazing, right? That's the right. kind of like what you call it, the bell curve that I'm starting to see with the Mandalorian. Yeah. It's the same thing with Picard. I mean, I'm a fanboy saying, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Now, if I take a step back and just kind of get over my giddiness because of how much I love TNG. <laughs> yeah, there were some things that were wrong with it. There were some things I think they could have done better, but I'm not unhappy at all. So I'm probably more of a fanboy than a bell curved type of regular watcher. But I talked to other people. Some of you, by the way, listening. And I would say that many of these people fall into that sort of bell curve and, and they all said they really enjoyed it. They, they thought it was well done. They thought it was solid. Then you've got your haters and trolls. They're going to find something wrong with anything at the very end of Star Trek Nemesis. By the way, spoilers here, people. Okay. Data dies, as we know, in Star Trek Nemesis. He sacrifices himself to save Picard. Before Data died, he had interacted with his predecessor before. Haha, before. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so data's memories went into before. And one thing, of course, is you really get to you finally get to see data sing and he does blue skies at Riker and Troy's wedding. Really, really cool. And just an amazing moment. Well, then when data dies and then you hear before at the very end of Star Trek Nemesis kind of trying to sing blue skies and Picard's helping him. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. I mean, that was so, so sad. But that was essentially the end of Star Trek Nemesis. Star Trek Picard starts off. And it's the original blue skies going on as space. You see space and then you see the Enterprise D, which, of course, you know, it 
was destroyed in Star Trek Generations, but it's flying, it's doing its thing, and then all of a sudden, oh, CGI, finally, <laughs> the stuff we wished we had back in the Next Generation days, you zoom in and they zoom right through the window and you see Picard and Data playing cards and it's like, oh my gosh, that's the stuff I wish we could have seen, you know, 30 years yeah, or 20 years was, ago, whatever. Oh, That was beautiful. Yep. So I love how Nemesis ended with blue skies and Picard started with blue skies. It was the perfect transition. Perfect. I mean, the perfect homage. Perfect. You're right. So now you see, of course, Picard. He's older. You see data who, by the way, Brent Spiner, 70 years old. Holy cow. They did a really good job making him look like he was still in his thirties, a little bit chubbier, but wow. Yeah. What was with his eyes? They looked off. Sarah said the same thing about Patrick Stewart. He's just old. <laughs> well, so that's my theory, right? Think about this. When, when Brent Spiner was data originally, he was in his what thirties and forties, I think. And oh, you know, now he's 70 years 30s. old. Well, thirties, probably early thirties. Wasn't 40 years ago. 87 uh, is what? 30 something years ago. Math so, is hard. I know, right? So anyway, thirties and forties when he played data, everybody's eyes. In fact, this is something that I find very fascinating. It's kind of a little thing I nerd out on everybody's eyes as people age, their eyes change shape. And I think most people probably know this, but if you actually look at pictures between like, it was the funniest thing, you know how like random, so I get on IMDb and I, I look up, you know, shows and stuff like that. And they had this like random little thing where it showed Anne Hathaway when she was in princess diaries and then Anne Hathaway now. And of course, what Princess Diaries was early 2000s, I think. So, you know, here we are like, again, 18 years later. And what was really fascinating to me was how much her eyes had changed. And it's they like shrunk because they used to be huge. Yeah, they were massive and now they're they're smaller. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. Now, it's funny, like her nose and her mouth and all that really haven't changed very much. Her hair huh. looks the same, but her eyes are significantly different. I've noticed that even yeah. when I look at older pictures of myself, it's like my eyes have changed. So yeah, Picard, he has larger eyes in the next generation. He also had that little dimple on his chin and you know, the way his wrinkles have come, that dimples are gone and his eyes are smaller. And it's the same thing with data is that yeah, his eyes right. are just smaller. And so that's my theory. That's probably, that's, you probably hit the nail on the head. Actually, that's, that's probably exactly right. I mean, I, I can only imagine they use the same exact contacts or not, I mean, not maybe not yeah, the maybe. exact same objects, but still the same color and everything. And it just looked, off because you're right his face has changed so yeah. besides the being a little puffier seeing b4 i'm glad they talked about that because i was always wondering whatever happened with b4 is data alive now and i loved how they explained that mm-hmm. that b4 was just technologically inferior and he couldn't handle data's positronic memories essentially as his technology just couldn't be handled so i thought that was really interesting and I was thankful that they explained that. That way we kind of get an idea on like, okay, this is why, you know, B4 is in a drawer now. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a drawer at an institute, right? Yeah. Now, what I found interesting too is they they go into this whole thing. About, I'm jumping around, but you know us. They're going about this whole thing about how, you know, they're trying to create synthetics. And of course, it turns into this huge issue with laws because some of them kind of went bad. And they're like, well, well data was like that. But no, he wasn't. He was actually good. And what was interesting is they explained this whole thing that data's his technology essentially was so far advanced and they've never been able to copy it. And I've also heard some hate against that, that, well, what the heck? And I get where they're going with it. There were some complaints about, you know, data back in uh, his episode, the offspring where he tried to create his daughter lol and it didn't work out. 
Yeah, and she she's okay, but then yeah, it didn't work out. But he always wanted a daughter, and he wanted to try something like that. And so, of course, you bring that into the story, and it's you've got Dodge, who comes in, and, and oh my gosh, she's amazing, and she's got like this incredible training, but she doesn't know who she is. And then we realize, wait a minute, she's on this painting that Data painted way back in the day before he died, of course. And this is wait, hold on, what is going on here? Oh, it's Data's daughter. So right. there's definitely some holes here in the story. You have Data's daughter, and we find out at the end of the episode that, oh, there's a twin. So what's going on? And some people are saying, well, wait, you know, all he could do is create LOL, and it was an imperfect recreation, and LOL died. And so how the heck did he all of a sudden just jump to creating this perfect twin daughters? Yeah, I imagine they're going to fill us in on that because it's it's too big of a mystery for them to ignore, right? So yeah, we're going to find out more about that, I'm sure. The whole thing about the synthetics, how... A bunch of them went rogue and destroyed Mars, uh, or at least uh, ignited Mars's atmosphere, and it's still burning. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting plot device. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing more about that. I want to. I want to hear more about. I mean, it was, they were a little bit vague about it. Like it was more one of those. Everyone already knows about this in our universe, so we're not going to explain it to the audience yet. I agree uh, because I wasn't even sure what was going on with that, to be honest. Because that's right, definitely right. happened within the last 20 years. You know, in between yeah. what we've seen. So, yes, I would like to see more. I hope they do, you know, maybe some more flashbacks to kind of explain. Here's actually what happened. Here's who tried to build these guys and which I think was the Institute, but I'm not sure. Right. And then, well, let's talk about Picard's dog. Number one, by the way, (laughs) because I just love I I really wish. Come on, guys. In one of these episodes, you've got to have him say, number one, go take a number two. Yes. Uh, And just let it let, let the dog out and watch him go take a dump and. It just just to make us all laugh, right? I yeah. Mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick Stewart and his wife foster pit bulls and in real in reality. In yes. real life, yes. So they, they have that's why number one is a pit bull. And I thought that was really cool. He said, This is what I want in the show. I want a pit bull and I want to be able to show that, you know, this these dogs can be taken care of and this is gonna be a good thing. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And yes, perfect name for the dog. I loved it. The question then, is question is can yeah. number one make it so <laughs> <laughs> the question of the ages that's right uh, and then, i i thought i you know picard actually speaks french in this in this episode which i thought was yeah. funny because Good, it's always been such a joke that he's french but he has this english accent yeah but it didn't sound very fluent it was just more of a just a, a, a nod to the fact that he is supposed to be french and yeah finally he we're hearing him speak it so that was interesting that was an interesting little twist speaking of patrick stewart how do you think he's doing as far as the acting goes and you know playing picard just kind of like picking up where he left off what do you think so far i was fine with it i didn't get any red flags personally with it he's a little more doddering now but that's to be expected nothing about his character or acting threw me out of the of the immersion basically see basically when i watch a show like this i like i automatically without thinking about it immerse myself in it if something happens like a really glaring plot hole or bad acting that sort of thing will throw me out of the moment it creates a bit of angst you know in my mind sure and it can affect my opinion of the show a mandalorian was did that a lot especially starting in, in episode three but with this first episode nothing yet I ended the episode just in a really good mood and just ex- elated about it. I couldn't yeah, wait for yeah. the next one. So, while we're talking about you know Patrick and the actors and stuff like that, let's talk about uh, and I don't know how to pronounce her name to be honest, but it's like Isa or Isa Brionis or something. But Dodge and Soji. I thought she was wonderful. Never seen her before myself. I am I am DB to her. What else has she been in? Anything? Nothing I know. 
we should she's know relatively about. young and new to acting yeah but she was a fantastic actress oh, so I agree. Uh, yeah i mean i thought she was she there was nothing that threw me off about her and i'm i'm kind of sensitive to bad acting so nothing from her so she and she's easy on the eyes by the way <laughs> <laughs> so she's a, she's a great actress for especially being someone who's not as experienced, you know, as some of the other actors that you see. But additionally, her character. Now, granted, we don't know Soji yet, but we saw we saw Dodge and I was like, oh, no, oh, why did you kill off Dodge? I loved Dodge and yeah, I hope I Soji is as good. But I'll tell you with well, Dodge, though. What was amazing is that like I immediately loved the character, you know, you immediately right. relate. I loved the like the strength because, you know, everybody talks about oh we got to have a strong female character. Well, she was and she had yeah. vulnerability and she had like she wasn't stupid and yet she wasn't too smart. She was, you know, amazing, but she wasn't too good. It was just this really, really good balance of what it should be. And they, but they weren't trying to push it and cram it down your throat either as this agenda. It was just it was there and it was amazing. Yep. So yeah, I'm like, fantastic. you really created one of the best characters I've seen in a while. And then you kill her. Ah. So hopefully Soji <laughs> is okay, as good. Okay, it's okay. There's a, I think the implication there is that the twin is, I think they knew what they were doing there. They they clearly wrote her and she acted true to their writing that she was going to be a, a character that you immediately latched onto for one reason or another. And then when they ax her in the first episode, they wanted you all to go, oh, no, don't kill her. Then the, the collective sigh of relief when you find out that she has a twin who's helping the Romulans relocate. Was that what that was do- that she was doing? I'm not she, entirely she, sure what's going on yet. Yeah, we don't know yet because they introduce her twin at the very end of the first episode. So yep. and then when they zoom out at the very end of the first episode, she is in a Romulan. What do they call it? Oh, the, the reclamation site. It's reclamation a Romulan site. reclamation yeah. site. Yep. And it's a Borg, it's a wrecked Borg cube. Yeah. That they're what the either heck? salvaging or rebuilding. I don't know what they're doing, but that was so cool. Well, it looked like it was the one that was in First Contact that they yeah, destroyed. And I was just kind of like, what is going on here? But then again, I don't know. We don't know for sure. It could have been a different battle, but I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that, and, and you know, of course, you know, at the very end of the episode, they zoom away, they zoom out from her and this guy that she just met, a Romulan, maybe it was a half Romulan. And they zoom out and zoom out and zoom out and zoom out. It's like, is that a, is that what I think it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I know. The, that's basically the reaction I had. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was just too much for words, really. Oh, but then at the very end of the first episode, I I feel like they did something I didn't, I wasn't quite happy with. It didn't ruin the episode because the episode was over. But they did this teaser sneak peek for the rest of the season oh, at the very yeah. end. Yeah. I almost thought it was like too much information. It was almost like we get to see Riker and Troy. Oh, we get to see seven of nine. She's, she's back. I mean, I feel like they should have made that a surprise. I agree. And maybe they were just kind of hedging their bets. They thought, you know, we know there's a lot of people who are kind of wishy-washy on this new series. We want to hit them hard with the first episode, which they did in my opinion. And then we want to throw them another bone to say, look what you get to see. If you keep, you stick with us type of things. So part of me wishes they hadn't done it. No, I agree with you, actually. In fact, when it started going, I was like, nope, and I turned it off. I'm like, I don't want to. Oh. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I didn't have that kind of discipline. Yeah, I'm like, so. oh, I want to be surprised. I don't want to know what's going on. Another thought I had was that, you know, when I first heard about the series, I was really worried that there would be a lot of boring Chateau Picard scenes. <laughs> and luckily, there were not. When Picard visits his Chateau in, in France, like in TNG, 
is some of the most boring Star Trek for me. <laughs> I don't know why. I just think it's really boring when he goes to visit home. Yeah. And, and you know, it's yeah. more character development and stuff. And it's like, oh, I don't, I don't care. I want to go back into space, fly around and do stuff. But they really minimize those scenes in this, in this episode. And uh, at least so far, I was appreciative of that. So. And the one episode I'm thinking of was, of course, episode two of season four. It was right after the whole best of both worlds issue. You know, he had become a Borg. He had gone through all of that and he right. needed to go home and he needed to kind of heal and reconcile and reconcile yeah. with his brother. Of course, episode was called family, by the way, but it was a That's, boring episode, but it was necessary and it brought yeah. humanity to Picard in ways you've never, you'd never seen in that show yet. So you're it was right. Cool. You're right. And that is the episode I'm thinking of, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it was slow. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Who are those two Romulan caretakers that those two were very intriguing? Are they Romulan or Vulcan? I'm pretty sure they're Romulan. Mm. See, and I, that's a good question because I wasn't really, that's, you know, that's an interesting thing. That would be actually a bit of a complaint was we have no idea who they are, where they came from. There's no development with those two yet, but that's okay. I, I, it wasn't a complaint for me because I expect them to divulge more information about them so. and that's as long as they do as long as they develop the character but at first i was yeah. kind of like i don't know who these people are or why i should yeah, care about just, them it was weird some of the some of the looks they gave each other like during the course of the episode there seemed to be more to them yeah. that the writers were implying i really got a strong impression about this first episode that the writing was well thought out i, I just got that impression i did too like they're really taking us on a journey yeah, I mean, from the very beginning with the Blue Skies song, right, the very first scene all the way to the end, I thought it was well thought out in the writing. You know, there were a couple of questions, I think, that had come out, and I'll, I'll just, we'll talk about these really quickly. One of the things was when Dodge is fighting the Romulans, and at first she didn't know they were Romulans, they had the, right. you know, the full suits on, and of course she rips off the helmet, and it's a Romulan, and then he like shoots acid blood or something, but it was acid something. And, yeah, and that's what kills Dodge. Yeah, that was the weird thing because at first everyone's like, well, wait, wait. for those who are fans, they're just kind of like, wait, when did Romulans have acid blood? <laughs> well, I don't think they do. So the the question then comes down to, was it some kind of a, you know, super soldier kind of thing where maybe, maybe they're synthetics See, as well? That's the impression I got was that they were some kind of special forces Romulans. Yeah. Uh, we of course Romulans don't have acids for blood acid no, for blood that that, that was clearly a device that that soldier had built into him for a defense or attack whatever and it was such an awful way for her to die <laughs> I mean, yeah <laughs> to have your face and body eaten away at by the guy you just oh killed, yeah so. so and I think that's the kind of thing that I would like to encourage people to look at it is that oh well what the heck was that acid blood and they're like well Romulans don't have acid blood so you know their conclusion is that's bad writing. Like, well, hold on here. Take a step back, have an open mind and say, why does that Romulan have some type of an acid spit thing or whatever's going on? Look at it that way. Why couldn't they? You know, why? Why can't they be super, you know, engineered or basically to be able to do this? I mean, they were soldiers. So anything could be possible with this. Well, and they were clearly special forces soldiers. They weren't just average. They weren't your typical Romulan soldiers. So they were some kind of elite force that was sent after her and, and, we don't know why yet. So, and we can only presume they're going to be sent after her sister and that Picard is going to want to protect her sister now that he's found out that she's there, although he doesn't know where she is yet. Yep. Uh, but it's that sort of open-mindedness also uh, relates to the whole background situation where he's doing that interview with that reporter and the reporter goes against her word and, and asks him questions that he, that he did not want to answer about why he left 
Starfleet. And he talks about the fact that Starfleet lost its way. That whole situation where Starfleet was no longer, you know, near perfect uh, organization that it was that we're used to in the original Star Trek universe and through TNG, they've made mistakes. Yeah, they've done some pretty atrocious things. Like uh, I guess it had something to do with them not helping the Romulan refugees, and there's kind of a bit of a a strong racism against Romulans that this reporter implies. It's kind of a social racism against the Romulans now that's that's prevalent in society, that it was okay, that, that you know they're the enemy, so why would you want to help your enemy? My whole thing is that even the, I mean, human societies, they change. Even the Federation is going to change. Yeah. And that's just reality. That's just realistic to me. It's, it's great. I, I appreciate what the Federation, how it was founded as a diplomatic service, as a, an exploration service. They didn't try to start wars. They did defend themselves, but it wasn't about war. And that's how Gene Roddenberry wanted it, right? Mm -hmm. But people are people. (laughs) To me, it just, it didn't bother me that they went there because it's like, and it's a bit cynical. I mean, almost, it's almost like they threw a bit of, a bit of splash of cynicism into the plot with that whole situation, how the, you know, the Federation is basically just not the same institution it used to be because societies change and that's just a natural thing the united states isn't always going to be here folks uh oh, yeah. europe is not always going to be the way it is even a yeah. hundred years from now yeah i actually instead of being thrown off by that i kind of appreciated it in a way yeah. so yeah you know gene roddenberry wanted to create the perfect utopia right you know he did it as an example to say this is what humanity should be like this is what we should right. do and i appreciated that and that's the one thing yeah. you saw right up until his death and then like not even a couple of years after his that was a few years after his death i want to say but not very long because he died and i think in 91 i think one or two and then as of like 96 or 95 or something like that that's when the war in deep space nine happened and he always said there will never be a war in star trek well he's dead so here we go let's do <laughs> a war you know and that's the thing it changed but i look at it this way is that i appreciated gene roddenberry's utopian creation i really did we need more of that but yeah, we all you did. are correct, Captain, that there is this is humanity and there's no such thing as utopia, sadly, on, yeah. on this earth. It's just not possible. So I am thankful, though, that he created this whole idea of that. But the writers, after he died, decided to change it. They went to war. Things changed. If people have a problem with the Federation not representing what it used to. And having this more dystopian side of things, even though I don't think it's a full on dystopia. No, it isn't. If you have a problem with this, then you need to go back to Deep Space Nine because that's what started it. Even though a lot of people didn't like the reboots, I thought the reboots did a better job of following Gene Roddenberry's original vision than some of the recent shows have. Fair enough. Just saying. Explaining this dystopian thing, I'm with you. I don't have a whole huge problem with it at this point just because of deep space nine that was a long time ago let's move on yeah the federation has been beaten down i mean if you look at even some of the yeah, movies they've, had- they've gone through so much suffering and pain and it's easy to see why some people would come up and say we got to do whatever it takes to defend ourselves and to protect and to come back to that federation glory they basically took paths they shouldn't have hence some of the things that we're seeing now in picard and it does make sense. And in fact, people are like, well, why would Picard step down? Good for him. That's exactly what he should have done because Picard right. upheld Gene Roddenberry's vision of the, of the Federation. Right. And it's creating kind of a dichotomy where you have Picard 
being this, you know, representing the best of the Federation. Yeah. Set against this backdrop of a Federation that is no longer as good as it was yeah. for various reasons. So it establishes that nice bit of contrast right off the bat, which is exactly what they wanted to do, I'm sure. And so, which is what they should do. Right. In my opinion, now I don't know if this is where the, the showrunners are going with this, but in my opinion, as a Star Trek fan, I'm glad that Picard stepped down and said something against where the Federation was going because I even had problems with it again back in the Deep Space Nine and Enterprise days and all that. I'm glad it's almost like it's weird, but work with me here for a second here. It's (laughs) almost like Picard represents the fan who says once Gene Roddenberry died, you change this. Yeah. And Picard is now the fan stepping up and saying, you need to bring back the utopian vision that Gene Roddenberry had for Star Trek. And Picard is stepping up and saying, no, we need to fix this. And my hope is that we'll see that journey throughout the series of Star Trek Picard of Picard restoring what the Federation originally stood for, seeing that redemption. That's my hope. Setting an example. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, somehow having being so impactful through the course of the show that the Federation, he, he single-handedly turns the the ship away from its collision course or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. that's what we need to see. I don't know. I mean, that, that's a, it's, it's a spin, but it's, it's a very good spin. And I, and I, and I really hope that's what they end up doing. So, but if they don't, I'm not going to be, you know, immediately disappointed because of expectations, but you know, I can have hope too. Right. You know, the last thing I wanted to talk about that was a bit of a, question and some people are a little concerned about this is which timeline are we working in there are two different timelines there's prime what they're calling prime timeline which was basically the original star trek all the way through star trek voyager it included star trek enterprise all of that and then you have uh, star trek discovery i think is prime timeline as well and then you have the new movie reboots that hard to tell with discovery it's supposed to be because they didn't go back in time that far so although I don't really know what's going on, I haven't seen season two all, all yet. So well, anyway, my point is, though, is that the main original Star Trek shows and movies prime timeline, then the J.J. Abrams reboots of 2009, all of those, those were what they're calling the Kelvin timeline, which goes after that Kelvin USS Kelvin. Right. And then again, I'm not entirely sure what discovery is because it's pre when Spock and Nero went back in time. It's because it's pre Kirk and Spock. Right. That's so right. Yeah, I don't it is. Yeah. think it's supposed to be Kelvin timeline unless they're doing well, something weird, which I don't know about. Yeah, it can't be Kelvin timeline because before the that timeline was shifted in the reboots, everything was technically prime. I mean, that that Kelvin timeline exists because Abrams wrote it to where an event occurred that that split the timeline basically, and things went completely different than what they did in the prime timeline. So yeah, so discovery has to be prime. So So, one of the original things was that J.J. Abrams changed the current timeline and so Prime no longer exists, which is why they were saying, oh my gosh, well, Next Generation is like wiped off the face of the earth and everything that they did is gone. That was the original concern. But then later, you know, I think it was clarified. It's not a change of the timeline. It is a split. Like you said, it's an alternate timeline. So, yes, exactly. You can have both exist at the same time because well, yeah, they're, they're your parallel. And all that. Ident- they're parallel universes. Yeah. So, uh, which is exactly what he meant to do uh, to JJ's credit. So, and actually, no, that's a good thing because <laughs> if he had changed the timeline, that would have, that would have been bad. So right. Exactly. Creating an so, alternate timeline. That's fine. So then the question was, well, what's Picard? 
clearly well, Picard is prime. It's clearly prime. Yes. And let me explain this is because they talk about Romulus was destroyed, which happened in the 2009 JJ Abrams, Star Trek reboot, right? Romulus was destroyed. Nero goes crazy, you know, and that's when Spock was trying to save Romulus. And of course it didn't work out. And so he blames Spock and then, you know, they both go back in time. They create an alternate timeline. What happened was, is that Romulus was destroyed. Prime timeline is going on. Nero and Spock go back in time and create an alternate timeline. Prime timeline continues. And that's where we're at with, with Star Trek Picard. While exactly the Kelvin right. timeline is still going on in an alternate universe. So I just wanted to that's- clarify that for everybody, that this is definitely prime timeline. Yes, Romulus was destroyed just like in the movies, but we're not dealing with the, the Kelvin thing at all. Yep. I agree. I, I can't wanna, wait to review the second episode. I know we're going to do it. We're going to go episode by episode and uh, we'll do this as separate little bonus episodes and have some fun here. Yep. One thing I wanted to end on some of the feels that they share a little bit of fan service here in this episode was so neat. First thing we mentioned was the blue skies thing. And then, you know, zooming into the enterprise and seeing Picard and data playing cards and stuff like that and seeing like, well, you have a tell that was really, really cool. But then when he goes into that archive, the Starfleet archives, and he sees his personal yeah. archives. You see like this star a model of the stargazer and of the enterprise and of the captain's yacht. And then of course, you know, the camera pans up and you see that poster of captain Picard day. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I remember that episode. That was so cool. So it's just like so many good memories bringing him back. What a really cool thing that they did there. And I actually want to go back and rewatch that scene. I want to go back and rewatch the episode in general, but yeah, I do too. Rewatch that scene and see if I can see all the Easter eggs from all the different episodes. They went through a lot of trouble, like especially in that scene to throw the fans all these bones to make the whole episode, especially that part, feel like you're coming home to, to uh, some old friends, you know? Yeah, yeah. It surprises me that there is a lot of vitriol out there about this first episode from some of the fanboys because they're mad in spite of the fact that the writers not only put a lot of care into the script so far, but they also did those feels they didn't have to do. I just got an all around good feeling about that first episode. I did too. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to have a good time. It may not be perfect. There may be some filler episodes like the Mandalorian. We don't know, but one way or the other, we enjoyed it and I hope you do too. And don't forget to, you know, go to the show notes. You can see all of the updates on everything that's going on though. And that's over at realbryanshow.com. But Hey, thanks for joining us. If you want to get into this conversation too, by the way, if you're sitting here thinking, man, we've got to talk about Star Trek Picard, join our Facebook group, the Facebook group, our Slack group, whatever, Uh, We're on Discord as well, but join the Facebook group and those links are in the show notes, which again is over at realbryanshow.com. Go there and you can check them out and yeah, we can get into some some good juicy conversation and have a good time. Keep it positive. Oh, yes. Critical is fine, but keep it positive. Positive and constructive. That's and and respectful. That's that's all I ask. You know what the music means? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Captain, thank you very much. This was fun. Yeah, it was great. It's amazing. Wait, I'm excited. Amazing how much we nerded out on this and we went a lot longer than I expected. I'm trying to keep yeah. it short, but I just, it's yeah, so whatever. much to talk about. Uh, anyway, hey, have a great four days. We'll see you Friday and enjoy Picard. Enjoy episode two. We'll talk about that. Real Brian Show signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.